Hey, can I ask something? I'm making a podcast for the museum. Oh, no way. Would, would you just like to describe what we're seeing right now? We came in earlier. I think it was the end of the of the installation, and we had to. They were they were telling us to stand in certain areas and then like jump over certain lines coming through and stuff. So we're playing a game. I don't remember the name of the game, but oh. dragon jump. <laughs> no, we have to play dragon jump apparently. So like we're gonna see it. They tell they tell us about things. So um, yeah, it's really nice that it's interactive because I find it really hard to sometimes understand the art, and when you're taking part in it, is really nice. Welcome to the second episode of But Is It Art Season 2, a podcast by Next Museum in Amsterdam, the home of new media art at the intersection of art, science, sound and tech. In this episode, we'll talk about the topic of playfulness. How does gamification play out in art nowadays? What is video game art? What is the line between playfulness and creativity? And what's the difference between interaction and playfulness? This episode features artworks by Ocean, Xaveri Kerklewski and Lu Yang. This artwork you're hearing is New Radio by the multi-talented artist Ocean. I've already talked to Ocean in last episode, when we were discussing his Ocean World which is a realm inspired by the metaverse and its landscape, where you can walk around in worlds full of comics, wearing his digital clothes, listening to his music and more. And everything was created by Ocean. But what's new radio then? Let's hear from Ocean. New radio is basically like this just like internet like world that we also like just wanted to create. And it ended up being just like a bunch of commercials. And so it's basically like this gigantic like asset folder of like cool commercially things that we can just like use for the future and yeah it's very strange okay yeah maybe it's a bit strange for you people listening if you can't see it new radio at next museum is exhibited in next stage it's the biggest room of the building which has a projection ranging from the high ceiling and continuing on the floor you're completely surrounded by ocean's incredibly colorful vibrant, energetic artwork with a lot of comic influences. Like he said, it almost feels like an eternal, hyper-energetic commercial because New Radio is an animated video artwork in multiple parts and they're all heavily influenced by commercials. And behind this explosion of color hides a satire, a critique on how our world is so fast-paced and commercialized and how we are all subject to the big tech lords of Silicon Valley. The main idea for it was that it was basically like this construct for like um, hypermedia. And so like, um, and like, you know how like today's time, it's just like, you have Instagram, Tumblr, like Twitter, talk, uh, TikTok and all that kind of stuff or whatever. It's just like, everybody's kind of just like shouting a bunch of things at you at one time. And like, we don't really have like, like you'll see ads, but the ads are just kind of like, you can skip over them. Like they're not, as prevalent as they were before and so like this idea of just like commercials being like also part of like that uh hypermedia sense it was just 
it was just like very interesting and so we just like started to come up with just like these like random skits and like random ideas and like random commercials and like these random jingles and like these random songs and like these random visuals and stuff like that also just like catering to like the hypermedia sense and we just put it into one thing it was just like this is just like our hypermedia bubble and we're just not gonna touch it like after we get done doing it and then it was just like this is a world on its own it's just like encapsulated into this like this like tiny little bubble and that's cool we'll deal with it an example of hypermedia is when you're reading an online article and you're bombarded with videos on the side of advertisements and then you get an animated pop-up saying that there's a paywall and once you click that away another pop-up asks you to sign up for a newsletter and the list goes on and on and on all these elements make you very aware that you're using media but then again, with a space and a projection like New Radio, there is no escaping the screen. And even though it is the best example of hypermedia, you almost forget that you're using media and become part of the world. You have like this gigantic canvas and you have like these people that are going to be basically like mini sized. How are you going to portray the same like hypermedia sense in like that gigantic room? And it's almost kind of funny because like, the whole uh, concept of it is just like things all around you all the time, all at once to the point where you almost can't handle it or whatever. But it's literally just like it's on the floor and it's on the wall and, and it's so huge that it almost feels like the same thing. And I had like some visuals that I had scrapped that was like very encompassing and just like like major senses, like almost like chaotically like hurt like it made it hurt and i was just like i have to like dial it back because i don't want to like actually hurt anybody but like it really was like this is the influence of hypermedia you get, like if you want to go there you want to go there in this sense of hypermedia ocean drew inspiration not only from commercials but from another really hypermediate medium the video game he combines the eclectic and joyful elements of the commercial with the interactive and storytelling side of video games and he creates a world where the visitor becomes an important part of the work. When we're talking hypermedia and video games, we have to mention Great Adventures of Material World, one of the other artworks exhibited in Unidentified Fluid Other. Chinese artist Lu Yang transformed one of the rooms in the museum to create Great Adventures of Material World. In fact, they transformed the room into two sections. When you walk in, you can take a seat in beanbags and watch a video game being played. It's also an eclectic game, with lots of color and anime-like characters. But once you sit there for a while, you realize that a story unfolds. A mythical story, heavily influenced by Buddhism. And then if you walk further into the space, you can literally take control. By picking up a controller and start playing the same game you were just watching yourself. You can walk around in Lu Yang's mythology-heavy world, do quests and see cutscenes. Here's a recording from Lu Yang, talking about the difference in seeing the game being played and playing it. This is my first, uh, maybe maybe third third video game I, I've made. In the past, there are also uh, there are different games, but this this time I made different uh, levels of this game, and people they can look around. And for me to create this work, more like before people they can only 
it's more like it's from two dimension on third dimension. Like when you watch the film, you force you to watch the film, mm-hmm. and if you are game, you can choose what you want to watch. But it's still in a structure. It's still in a frame that that people create for you. But, um, but this game, every time I show it, I have to show it, uh, the the game film and the game itself. Because lots of audience they don't don't play game. And it's difficult for them to to uh, control the the remote remote control. To briefly summarize, with this game, Lu Yang wanted to create a sub dimension where you could sit and watch the game being played instead of playing it yourself. Lu Yang had already made video games before, but now this is the first time where he made an actual playable game. By doing so, Lu Yang joins a group of people who make video game art. Video games are very hypermediate. They combine computer-made visuals with sound effects, music, movement, text, and a story. But more than that, they're inherently an artistic expression. Ever since video games popped up in the 80s, people have found ways to create art in video games, or by using the same technologies that video games are designed on. Designers and artistic directors are unmissable to the creation of a game. And looking at the increasing recognition of video games when it comes to subsidies or other funding, it's clear that video games are just as much art as film or painting. Luyang takes it a step further than the regular video game. He creates both a video game film and a playable game with similar themes and a similar message but a different medium. And through this, he gives the visitor the possibility to engage with the topic of his work however they want to. I asked some people in the museum what they preferred and why. I'm used to play video games, so I'm used to put myself uh, as the person in the third role, you know? So, uh, yeah, you get emerged. With this one specifically, I enjoyed more being on the sidelines because there was a story behind it. There was a message to tell by the person who made it. I think when you were seeing it being played, it was obviously a lot more of a story kind of narrative. And so you could kind of sit and watch along and be involved. Whereas with this, you're you're kind of creating the story yourself. So... um, it's a bit less relaxing. <laughs> um, I'd say watching the game, it's a lot more of a passive interaction. You can kind of relax and see kind of how it develops. Whereas when you have to actively interact with it, like there's more emotions involved, like you start to get frustrated or you start to feel anxious. Like You're more engrossed in it because you become a part of it and how the game develops rather than just watching it. <laughs> Besides video game art, game elements can be present in other art too. This is called gamification. And we can clearly see this in Ocean's new radio. Gamification can be a way to engage audiences, to make them a part of the work, or to make them see the work from a different perspective. Here's Ocean again. When I was like, 
kind of like testing it out in my room. I was just like, I feel like people are just going to like stand here and look at this and just be in awe for like 30 minutes. Like, I kind of don't want that. I want people to like sweat or something to like come out of it and like feel like they got something. And so like when I put like the meditation in there, like the games and stuff, it was like this way for you to like interact with the screen in like a way that like is almost like pseudo play. Like like when you're a kid or something like that and like you see like a um, the hopscotch like squares on the ground, you almost feel like the inclination to do it by yourself, like without anyone even telling you to do it. It's like I wanted the same thing. It was like this gigantic wall and I feel like I wanted it to be like you walk in here and you felt like you didn't have to do anything. But now you see like these gigantic circles and now you have to do something like it's not like you can just like stand there and watch it. So as a visitor, you want to step into the huge world and be a part of it, get immersed in it. It activates the visitors in the space. And sometimes this movement creates other action in the artwork. Just like with the first artwork you see when entering the museum with the very appropriate title, Enter. People have described Enter as a screen, a mirror or a game even. But what does artist Xaveri Kerklewski say it is? Like the, the simplest uh, explanation is, uh, I guess, uh, just interactive light installation. That's how I would call it. Somebody can call it a sculpture as well, like digital sculpture. There's this new term, digital, that combines digital and physical. You can also call it a mirror. I like to build my own displays, like new, my, like mediums for my works. In this work, Xaveri built a screen out of a large amount of LED strips that hang on the wall like a screen, and then they drape down into these luminous worms on the floor. The different LED lights give the work a very nostalgic, pixelated feel. The screen shows texts, but also people from live footage in the room. And that's the interactive part of the work, and why it's called a mirror, a pixelated mirror though. The mirror effect is based on uh, on cameras, obviously, and uh, that was the first thing that I tried uh, when I found out that you can really play uh, motion of those LEDs. Before that, I thought about those LED strings as a, some decoration uh, stuff, Christmas tree uh, decorations, something like that. But when, when, we, when I found out that you can really ra- uh, run a, a video, like stream video on it, that uh, camera was the first thing that I tried. Uh, but later on, I also found out that uh, the frame rate, uh, like the refresh rate of those LEDs can also go extremely high, like more than usual screen, like more than your cell phone, more than your laptop uh, or your TV set. So both of those things, the cameras and uh, the refresh rate combined, uh, that was the, I think, the big trick behind the whole installation. And since it is a mirror, people start seeing themselves. And once they do, they feel like they're a part of the work and they start engaging with it. But without knowing it, every time people step into the room, the work is already reacting to them. My aim was to build uh, like a slightly different s- uh, scenario for every uh, viewer. So when he enters uh, the room, there's uh, like, first of all, the sound is changing in the room, but also the whole look of the installation is also different. Like, first of all, the colors are different. I wanted to make uh, a feeling that you are changing a game, something like that, like in multiverse, like when you 
Uh, you travel through a multiverse. You can uh, go out from the room, enter again, and you are in a different game, in different world, something like that. So this, uh, like the gamification of uh, this project was like one of the crucial points, like uh, factors of enter. You might have already guessed it, but behind the interactive mirror hides a message. Xaveri refers to the black mirror, our phones, and how we love to look at reflections of ourselves in those mirrors. Just like with Ocean's work, when we see ourselves in the work, we're immediately drawn to start interacting with it. And when you interact with this work, you are playing it in a way. When I spent, you know, hours with uh, the sound designers in our studio uh, building the project, like uh, the word instrument, it appeared uh, like a lot of times. And uh, that I think is like an like, uh, important word when you speak about, uh, you know, game, uh, like playing on something. For the, uh, for the musician, it was, uh, he thought about the installation like it's, it is an instrument. That uh, when you stand in front of it and you interact with it, it should behave like an instrument. Uh, you know, make a feeling that uh, you can get better uh, in uh, in this interaction. Since there's such a big sound component in Enter, Xaveri and his team see the artwork as a playable instrument. This broadens our idea of playing with an artwork in just the definition of a game. Here, the artwork is an instrument, and you can actually practice and get better at playing it. So the position of uh, position of the hand uh, of your hand uh, in front of the screen uh, is, is is one thing, but uh, also like the rapidness of your movement, it also has different uh, influence on on sound. So if you move your hand rapidly, it's just a kind of uh, as you play on uh, play a guitar, something like that. So if you move slowly and like delicate, uh, it, it just reacts differently uh, if. Uh, when you move like uh, more aggressively. Maybe considering new media art as an instrument is the correct way to approach it. At first, it seems like a mystery. It can be beautiful to look at, but you might not know how it works. And once you start playing it, engaging with it, creating with it, it then can conjure emotions and tell stories. I really like uh, to work with low-fi resolution. This is Xaveri again. I like that this this uh, particular work is a really big size, but in fact it's built out of very little pixels. So uh, I think that like the reason for that is maybe my childhood. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, most of the like, computers used only few pixels uh, to run. Like uh, the first uh, mobile cell phones, uh, used to have like not really a lot of pixels and uh, there was really a room for imagination and this this is what i like like this limit of uh, pixels i think even some games for cell phones really like the first games that you could play on on your cell phone i remember uh, in middle school like it, it was a boom it was a boom of uh, first uh, cell phones and uh, on every break between classes i think everyone played on those uh, mobile phones and uh, they were really low resolution, like 320 by 160, something like that. Uh, I think that's small. And uh, Enter, which is, you know, seven meters high, 
is 80 by 240. So it's even smaller than uh, than the cell phone uh, screen. Working with this lo-fi resolution does give off a pretty nostalgic feeling. I also remember endlessly playing Snake on my mom's phone when I was a kid. And I wasn't even thinking about the minimal graphics. I was just really engaged in the game. But maybe Xavri is not alone in his nostalgia. So I asked Ocean where he draws his inspiration from. For the most part, just like being a kid. Like, I feel like once you like grow up, you just kind of stop being a kid. It just, I mean, it's not natural. You got to deal with like taxes and uh, like housing. And like, if you get injured, you got to go to the hospital <laughs> and your mom can't take you there anymore. You got to deal with like cars, driving, like wrecks. Like, okay, cool. You know, like... I, I got a lot of stuff to deal with. I can't just like go outside and play with a sword and like pretend like I'm a pirate for 20 minutes because either people will laugh at me or um, I actually have to go to work. It's not fun having to do all this like stuff to like keep up with, um, you know, just being a human being that it almost kind of sucks at the end of the day. Um, and so like, I guess like most of my art is literally just like, you don't have to do that. Like, I mean, yeah, you can, yeah, you gotta go to the nine to five. You gotta be responsible or whatever. But like at the end of the day, like you can still do what you want. You can still be a kid. Like you can still enjoy the things that you want. It's just, it's not like, you don't have to be ashamed of those things. It's fun. Like having fun is fun. That's part of the reason why it's there. <laughs> why is it that when we grow up, a lot of us tend to lose our sense of playfulness? And how is that in any way linked to a lack of creativity? I think as you become an adult and you have to deal with situations and stuff, you also lose imagination because like you can't be like optimistic about certain situations because it's very like it's very much grounded in reality or something like if you get a car crash in like GTA or something like that, you just get a new car. Like and if you die, you just wake back up again. And it's like very much like kid mentality kind of things or whatever. And so I think um, at the more video games progress and the more like realistic they get, the more people can literally just be like, OK, cool. Like I deal with real life now. And then later on, I'll deal with like kid kid verse later. Ocean calls it Kidverse, but the more technologically advanced and immersive that these VR video games become, the more real that they're starting to feel. Our sense of hypermedia changes into a sense of complete immersion, and we create an alternate reality with different boundaries. And the virtual one almost feels limitless. It's like the same thing as like waking up to. It's like I went to sleep and it's like, you know, that a dream is a false reality. But at the same time, they feel just as real as like your waking life type of thing. And so, yeah, I think video games, once they get to that point, it's literally just like living a waking dream. And you like won't even be able to tell the difference between either one of them. When kids are playing, the separation between these two is also blurry sometimes. They can get really upset if they cannot be a specific character or when their story doesn't go the way that they want it to go. And even though I like to think that I'm imaginative and I like playing a ton of games, I think just by being a grown-up, I'll always be limited by what is possible in real reality. But kids, their imagination is insane. Listen for example to a clip from a YouTube video by the channel Hi-Ho Kids where children are asked to describe their ideal world to an artist. Anything come to mind when you think of the perfect world? Uh, the sun is pizza. Everyone floats around in bubbles. I would get rid of mosquitoes. Mosquitoes? I would too, yeah. Okay. Is it shaped like a, like a 
sphere, or is it? Shaped as a castle. As a castle? Okay. So. <laughs> no, wait, a unicorn. Uh, okay, so. And then there would also be fairy planets, and there would be a human planet, and there would be a mermaid planet. Everything's free there. Oh, everything's free? Uh-huh. Do people just trade stuff with each other? Stuff from, falls from the sky. This is my perfect world! Thank you for listening to the second episode of But Is It Art Season 2. Next time, we're going to open the mythology books as we discuss mythical influences from China, Nigeria, but also spirituality in general. All of the artworks featured in this podcast are exhibited at Next Museum in Unidentified Fluid Other. Hope to see you there.